can you just talk a little bit? Thought you'd never ask. <laughs> Here I am. You should do a podcast, you know. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast and Ring RC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I don't want to talk about it. On this beautiful Monday morning with the world I don't want to talk about anything. I don't know why I'm here. <laughs> Good job there wasn't any football this weekend. That's true. There was no football this weekend. So we're, mm. gonna, it's an anti-football so we're just going to do an hour on the Mandalorian, the it's, big reveal. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> Sorry for those of you listening. Yeah. Shout out to... Oh no, you should have put a spoiler alert. Who hasn't watched it by now? Who hasn't watched it twice by now? I'm going to bleep that out. Okay. Just because it's only fair. That's true, it's true. It was a great episode though. It was a great episode. I mean, when is it not? I'm enjoying this season. Can I say about The Mandalorian one thing before we get into the admin of the rest of the podcast? The amazing ability of Pedro Pascal to convey facial expressions through a mask. Like I look at his face, I look at his mask and I'm like, I know know your your face, your your helmet's actually changing, it's contorting. You know why? Yeah. He's got a moustache. I think it could be that, you know. It's the calming energy of a moustache. And the thing that's most amazed about him, my favourite, even though he's like a sort of intergalactic bounty hunter, my favourite mode that he's in is Disappointed Dad. Yeah. It's so good because he's, he's always encouraging instead of, you what know. What are you doing, kid? Uh, Stay there, kid. Yeah. Uh, it's just that sound. Yeah. Uh, worth a try. <laughs> anyway, how are you? I didn't ask how you were. I'm good. I'm very good. You're always good, aren't you? It's a Monday. Listen, starting the new week with energy, good vibes, good energy. I mean. I'm starting the week with no energy. <laughs> packing, packing boxes all weekend. Yeah, that's understandable. Note to anyone who wants to move house or apartment, don't buy records. They're an absolute pain in the ass. Yeah, and make sure you're moving downhill. <laughs> yeah. Good grief. Unbelievable. Um, so we're going to get into some football in a bit. We're going to do some admin first. First of all, I want to start with a wholesome story. Okay. So friend of the podcast, I suppose, considering we've played out, we're actually playing out on a brand new one of his today. Oh, Okay. Uh, we've played out on how many aliases of his already? Three, I think. <laughs> Tad Mullenix. Shouts to Tad. He messaged me the other day and I asked him if I could read this out. So it's all good. So he said, yo, Ryan, thought you'd get a kick out of this. So his nephew, I think his nephew's eight and he's been practicing his Andres Cantor goal impression on commentary. Oh, wow. Posted a clip of it. His mum posted a clip of it to Tad's sister-in-law. And <laughs> Andres responded with a video. Oh, that's lovely. Just basically being like, you're going to be a great broadcaster, keep practicing, and then finished it off with a goal. Oh, that's so lovely. I just thought it was really nice. Well, that means so really... much as well. It I means know. so much. That's so nice. So, yeah, shouts to Tad, shouts to Andres Cantor. That's you know a lovely, lovely thing. There's actually a generation of commentators who are amazing. Some like Derek Ray, similar. Anyone who no. doesn't follow Derek Ray, please follow Derek Ray. He's amazing. And he also does... These wonderful, uh, was it uh, back garden Bundesliga? Yeah, previews preview. that he does from his back garden in the states. Where does he live? Massachusetts. Are you in Massachusetts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does great COVID updates as well in Massachusetts. Like, stay safe, everyone. Brilliant, 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 dude. Actually, one, when I talk about here as well, Derek Ray. Yeah, he's an amazing guy. Really helpful. The other thing he does, he does the um, the commentary, the commentary for FIFA, FIFA games. Yep. So here's a really and funny thing. Bundesliga World Feed as well. So there was a hilarious, there was a hilarious thread um, the other day on Twitter. 
someone was attacking his pronunciation of all the names on FIFA. Going, oh my God, it's so sort of uh, snobbish, like elitist. Like, are people going, no, but he pronounces that right. He goes, oh no, well, okay, well, maybe he pronounces that right, but that's definitely wrong. And then one of the fans of the clubs, the first, he goes, no, that's absolutely perfect. Actually, no, he's really right. No, it really matters. <laughs> yeah, his pronunciation, he takes a lot of time and care. He's amazing, man. Shouts to Derek Ray. Great, yeah. great dude. The other bit of admin, Caricom needs your help, everyone. Yep, yep. So we shout out uh, the book that you're writing a piece for. Yes. That's coming out next year from Callum Jacobs. They're looking for black Muslim football fans. If you go to their Instagram, Caricom Web, so C-A-R-I-C-O-M-W-E-B, hit them a message on there. They're looking for people to speak to for the upcoming book. So if you're a football fan and you are Muslim and black, they're looking for a very specific kind of angle on an essay. So yeah, give them a shout, help them out. You've, have you done your piece yet for the book? Not yet. No, 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 no. Time's ticking. Listen, I just say this on the podcast because a couple people laugh at me talking about deadlines. Um, so it's a thing like a running deadlines, deadlines, me and my deadlines. But at the end of this year, I've got three really big ones and it's just like, like oh, I'll, get, I'll, get them, I'll get them all done. The but you know, is real. You know, it's a way, at the end of the year, everything converges and I always do this. I always get it wrong. I always time my run wrong. Uh, but I'll be fine. I'll be fine. <laughs> it's like uh, that Righty Burkamp story. Yeah. Just need, to, just need to hold you in a little bit. My deadlines are hitting me all in the back of the leg. Yeah. When you, when you say deadlines, I just think you're talking about, talking about your deadlines that you come out with on here. Oh my wow. Wow. <laughs> oh my wow. 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 Oh my wow. Wow. I'm only kidding. Come on, that's no <laughs> goal. Even, uh, even I couldn't early in the hall in that and then in stoppage time. He had a bad weekend, didn't he, for the finishing? Oh, Dortmund had a bad weekend. But anyway, today, yeah. so we're going to start with the Premier League and then yeah. we're going to talk about sad news about Papa Bubba Diop. Yeah, very well. sad, very sad. And then we'll just touch on a couple of key games from around Europe from the weekend because there were a couple of statement draws, a couple of statement defeats. Yes, we're indeed. But yeah, we'll get into it after this. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. All right, Musa, where would you like to begin? Because I would actually like to begin with a nil-nil draw. I think we may as well. It was no ordinary nil-nil draw, actually. It was. I thought it was a good game, this. Chelsea nil, Spurs nil. 
at Stamford yeah. Bridge. Top of the table clash. Began with a great intensity from both teams, actually. Well, this actually, this is funny because Mourinho teams, it's funny, they're slightly stereotyped in that they end, often end up with results like this mm. that cement their position. But Mourinho actually does have a history of going after it quite early in the games. Uh, and he did that here. And there was some great combination play. Bergwijn should have scored early on, I would have thought. But also some really nice play in the opening stages from Chelsea too. Chelsea just looked like a really good unit. You look at that lineup and that starting 11, and I just think that is a championship winning pedigree. Oh, and personnel alone, for I'm, sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure, like, for sure. But yeah, I mean, we'd said that early on in the season when we were expressing concerns about fitting all those wonderful, wonderful pieces into a starting 11. That would be the main struggle for Lampard. I think it's interesting that obviously you had Kai Havertz on the bench, mm. Christian Pulisic on the bench. Havertz is coming back from the COVID isolation, so I wonder whether that's match sharpness has played an issue. I think there's also another thing going on, which is that I think Lampard just really, really likes Mount as a kind of on-field deputy. And I think that Lampard almost, look, if he could play 12 players, he'd start Havertz, but ultimately, mm. like, I think, I look at what Mount does and Mount is like, I think he sees a lot of himself. You know, like Van Ginkle and these players that didn't quite work out at Chelsea. I think he sees Mount as what Van Ginkle could be and what Lampard could have been. Like you need someone that knits things together. Mm. And Mount is like, he's very, um, he's unselfish. He's very comfortable. If you play him like in the front three or you play him in the midfield three, he's like, I'm playing. Like, and yeah. I think, and that's, I say that because, you know, I've criticized him a little bit before in terms of just not, nothing, nothing, nothing harsh, but just in terms of, is he the, best player in that lineup. And I don't think it's that. I think it's that he's, Lampard sees him as the best fit. Maybe, yeah. And I think also you look at Tammy Abraham. Tammy Abraham, what I love about him, for example, is in the same way, I think Lampard has got Mount there to knit together that midfield. Abraham knits together the front three in a more obvious way. And I think, you know, he, he didn't have the best game against Spurs, but I think he's an excellent fit there. And I think that having that fixed point of the attack is so important for Chelsea. Because then you see the runs that Werner loves the outside to win. He loves that wide forward role and he's brilliant in it. Ziyech is obviously outstanding in the inside role. Mm. And with a bit more luck. Here's the thing as well, like Chelsea shouldn't be too despondent about this draw because, you know, narrowly offside goal by Werner at a time um, they're looking I good. wanted to talk about this though, because yeah, go on. Yeah, go on. I actually think Mount made the wrong option here. Oh, that's interesting. I was watching the, um, the kind of move unfold. Mm. It was really crowded down that side. Yes. I mean, there weren't a huge amount of players there, but it was more crowded along that left-hand side than the right. Mm. And I actually wonder that the way that the, the defence was set, if he'd gone to Ziyech, who was obviously miles on side, he had a good two yards or so, I think on, it would have been Dyer, I think the centre-back. Mm. I wonder if that had been the move because I think that the, the Spurs defence kind of looked like they started to shift towards getting, expecting Werner to get it. Yeah. And I just wonder, as, as, the, as it played out, spacing-wise, it looked like Ziyech was actually a better option. And it's tiny, tiny, tiny nip. Small margins, stuff. yeah, of course. But I could have been the difference because by the time he released Ivana, Ivana was offside and he wasn't. He was, you know, he was well offside. Although the finish was amazing. Gorgeous finish, yeah. yeah. Lovely, lovely finish. I think Ziyech was actually the better option there. Do you know what I wonder about with that stuff? Obviously, he's played with Werner more than he's played with Mount. Oh, Ziyech, sorry. Mount's yeah. played with um, Werner more than Ziyech. So I wonder, you know, there's times when you're just like, on a counter-attack, there's just someone you more naturally look for just because it's your, it's your yeah. go-to, like in the speed, of the, in the heat of the moment, bang, 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 I'll just go to Timo because I know what he does. I just wanted that something that over the, over the course of the game, because it's not like Thiago Silva, for example, now looking supremely comfortable, 
you know, obviously like, you know, West Brom, it's a real shame for West Brom, got their first win against um, Sheffield United, but a real shame for West Brom because they haven't quite kicked on from that superb first half against Chelsea. Mm. Whereas in a funny way, Chelsea kind of have. And Thiago Silva pretty much since then has looked really quite assured. Yeah, I mean, defensively, they were they went on that run that were was amazing where they weren't conceding, they didn't concede a goal for ages. Yeah, and they now look like really locked. The Chelsea unit now looks kind of locked in. Mm. And I wonder like with this, sort of che- I think this is actually, I kind of feel this is my favourite Chelsea front three. I'm not saying it's the best. I think it's my favourite. Like Abraham Ziyech and Werner. That's fun. I really like, I really like that. Yeah. Because it gives you like a bit of everything. So I want to see that gel almost like the kind of back lines seems to be gelling. And it's weird because start of the season, if you said that Chelsea's defence would start gelling fast and it's attack, people might have laughed at you. Yeah, but it's, it's that kind of season, isn't it? It's that kind of year. Yeah. I mean, stats wise, I think the balance of the game, mm. I think Chelsea deserves to nick it. Yeah, I agree. But Spurs also had those really good chances early on in the game. Didn't Dombele have that one great chance? Or was it Steve? It was Bergvine. Bergvine, Bergvine, yeah. Um, yeah over the bar. And, um, but the reason I, I mentioned Ndombele actually was because I thought he was Spurs' best player. And I thought he did really, really well. He's a sensational player. Spurs' recruitment of midfielders is Hall of Fame level. Oh, like, yeah, I mean, Ndombele, Modric, Dembele, like they've had some... I mean, Oybert as well. Ericsson, we Ericsson too. Bit of, some, yeah. yeah. We expressed a little bit of concern about the signings of Doherty and Hoiberg early on in, in the preseason. Yeah. To be fair, Hoiberg has more than proved his worth. Yeah. And yeah. Sissoko is another one. Like Sissoko was unbelievable on the weekend. Really tucked in and helped out Joe Roden, who has to have a podcast at some point, obviously, because he's called Joe, <laughs> Joe Roden. Roden podcast. So good. So good. <laughs> and it should just be like, ultra liberal left wing yeah that would be amazing (laughs) it's taken some time for those for a couple of those players to kind of click at Spurs but they everything is running very smoothly like we said last week I think I thought it was quite funny the the reactions of both managers after the game where Lampard was saying uh, I think Lampard corrected someone on match of the day when the person asking the question said you know oh neither side really was on top and Lampard was just like no one side was on top and he really was just... Yeah, of but course. Was then Mourinho, it cuts to Mourinho, and Mourinho's like, all of my team are angry. They're really, you know, they're not happy in the dressing room. Lampard like when, knows Mourinho you know, like well. Yeah, yeah. It's like at the end of a boxing bout where both boxers just put their arms up like they've won. Yeah, see, but Lampard knows Mourinho too well. He knows that Mourinho is like delighted. Miguel yeah. Delaney made a great point. He was like, he loves the sort of the fact that like Mourinho giving the impression that his team went through the entire game, whereas there was very definitely a point at which he was like, nah, let's just take the draw. And yeah. Lampard will look at that and just be like, Lampard is, this is a draw that felt like a defeat for sure. Yeah, but this sure. is the thing from Mourinho though, which he, something that I think he gets a lot more than I think a lot of other managers is just like, no, 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 we're away at Chelsea here. Yeah. Spurs haven't, haven't got a good record at Stamford Bridge. They need to win this. We don't. A point is a good result. Right. You know, there, there was some, you know, the, exactly, you know, there's some away grounds where a point is just always good. Like Ellen Road, for a period of like, almost the entire 90s, mm. if you got, you got a draw at Elland Road, didn't matter where Leeds were on the table, you take it. Mm. To be honest, you take it now. Let's move on to Leeds while we're here. Yeah, sure, let's do that. Yeah, they yeah. beat yeah. Everton on Saturday at Goodison Park though, which yes. was a really good game, I thought. Really good game. Great result for them. They um, were kind of hype. And one the thing, I, I was talking to Sana Qureshi about this, shout out to Sana, who is our kind of like, I was going to say toffee in residence. One of our toffees in residence. <laughs> We've got a few actually. Yeah, Aaron yeah, Durand yeah. as well. Shout out to Aaron. But I was saying to her that what I really love about Ancelotti is his post-match reactions to, 
defeats at Everton. Very, very calm. You know, never really kind of spits the dummy out. He's very much like, yeah, you know, these are a good side. <laughs> so clever. He's just very good at just being like, yeah, it's we football. lost today, it's but football. it yeah. kind of really isn't that big a deal. It's football, yeah. I really like his post-match interviews, Carlo Ancelotti. I'm really, I'm really, really enjoying him at Everton. Can I say this but, as well? What I love about Ancelotti's manner, it's an extension of what I was seeing a lot of, because obviously we did a podcast on Diego Maradona passing away and... Mm. One that was interesting, watching that old footage again, when Italian journalists interview Italian players and managers, it's like they're interviewing the prime minister or the politicians. And it's so serious. It's so earnest. So when you see Italian managers talk in particular, like, you know, Conte, they sound like statesmen. Have you noticed that? It's like, they're not just, talk- it's like they're talking about like, they're announcing the budget. So Ancelotti, like talking, it's like he's announcing the new COVID measures. <laughs> the way he sort of speaks is like, well, yeah, we've just entered tier two and in two months, if we're, we're, we're in a difficult moment, they always use the word, we're in a difficult moment, but hopefully yeah. we see improvement. You know, the COVID project is not really proceeding. The vaccine project, you know, it's like so. <laughs> but a good win for Leeds because their form has been patchy, but their performances have been pretty good. I feel like this was the win that they deserved for other games. Like, yeah, this yeah. Could have been kind a draw. Like, it's could have been a draw, but it's almost like Everton you know, were collateral. Yeah, you deserved a three. Yeah, you deserved three points somewhere. I'm not sure this was necessarily the game because it looked like it felt like more of a draw. But you know, good on you to get those three points because they're not the the league position isn't the best actually considering the football they've played. Mm. And it's maybe goals. Goal. Maybe yeah, it was a really lovely goal. Some were criticizing Pickford for diving, not quite right. But I don't know. Those just driven. It was well hit actually. Mm. Actually, to be honest, there were a lot of very well hit strikes this weekend. A lot of goals that stayed hit. I mean, yeah, Max Cruiser for Union oh, Berlin. Sorry save to save that because we'll talk about that later. Yeah, we will. But anyway, yeah. My game of the weekend then. My God. Anyway. Let's move on to Southampton Manchester United. My goodness. This a is game a... of two halves. A game of two halves and yet a game that we've seen before. Well, I mean, Ralph Hasenhutl, Southampton, no side has dropped more points from winning positions since he took over. And it's the one, it's the one, it's the one thing about Ralph which he's not as much as you've improved Southampton, like they had it early on in the season against Spurs, right? Mm. And just got demolished. It can happen. For but is there something, else, there's something else going on there, which is that quite often, it's not that, this sounds a bit weird, but it's a credit to his tactics. This is going to sound ridiculous. Okay, I'm going to say You're patronise the hell out of Ralph Hasnett. <laughs> yeah, I am, because oh, I've yeah. seen, I've seen, it was like, so Grace on Football posted a link to this um, the result when Manchester United beat Spurs 5-3 after being three down. And that game was interesting because United were never actually really the worst side. They just conceded because Spurs punched them hard, mm. right? And teams that aren't as good as teams that eventually beat them are very good at, at punching out, right? And of course, holding lead is tougher than taking it. And Southampton are very good at punching out. They're very well drilled. Actually, Carl Anker got a great analysis of this for The Athletic. We're very worth checking out if you, if you subscribe to The Athletic. Southampton, oh, like... Oh, yeah, I dubbed this game the Carl Asico. The Carl Asico, yeah, that's a great name. Yeah, because Carl used to cover Southampton for The Athletic as well. Yeah. Southampton, like Spurs back then, were very good at punching out, but holding a lead over the course of the 90s tough. So they go two goals up. You're like, well, balance of play. Mm, United are still looking decent. Mm. So you expect to bite back at some point and there's a credit to Solskjaer because in you know, a Ward Prowse, credit to him because two superb deliveries. But we've seen this pattern before Southampton and United for some weird reason have this comeback thing with them. So we saw it with Van Persie actually at St. Mary's mm. a few years ago. God, I hated that season. 
it was such a, it was a strange, strange, even as a United fan, obviously United winning the league, it was a strange season. He just rescued, he rescued. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Okay. Sorry. So telling me about how much you love my ex. <laughs> sorry. So Van Persie, <laughs> Van Persie <laughs> is the rescuer, Slatan is the rescuer. And now Cavani is the rescuer, all against Southampton. Ralph Hasenhutl mentioned this after the game where he said, you know, they can bring on Edison Cavani for the second half. And it's and, true. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. A goal and true. two assists. And again, like Abraham does for Chelsea, he knits together United front three. And we're seeing this, and I'm going to write a piece on this for the ringer, a slight resurgence of, you know, we had the false nine, but now we've got the bona fide nine where mm. you have the nine that basically... You know, there's, we, we, we've got generation of wide forwards and people kind of cut from out to in and it's all amorphous, but at a certain point you do need a fixed point of the attack mm. and he provides that. And the amazing goal, his second goal, you know, he got two superb headers. The second goal, I think is even the best because he hits, Fernandez hits that shot and it's almost going away from Cavani, mm. but he almost uses that movement on the ball to his advantage and the glance he gets on that, I mean, there's no keeper that saves that. Mm. Um, so yeah great substitution at halftime I mean De Gea had to go off because he got injured so Henderson came on for him but the critical substitution was Greenwood for Cavani clean sheet for Henderson though but yes there was a lot of people saying actually as well before this season that Greenwood should be a regular starting option I think that's just a bit too early in his development not because he's not an amazing player but because I mean just fatigue and second season challenges yeah I mean that was a big move to take the number 11 shirt very big I want to randomly shout out Alex McCarthy, who got so bored that he decided to in, instigate his own training drill. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, can, there's another category. Sorry to bring up these new things, but there are, there are existential moments, right? Wait, is, is this another one? You know, there's an existential... It sounds like okay. your debut album, Cathartic, Cathartic so, okay. Win. Okay, so there are, there are definitely... Feet. There are definitely existential, existential bookings. Moment. There are definitely existential bookings when a player gets a yellow card just to feel something. You know, <laughs> there is definitely, if you see one of those in the wild, so Arturo Vidal is the master at the existential booking. Like, you know, when you just, you know, there's players that just kick someone to like, they get booked. It's like, oh, I'm still in this. I'm still alive. I still, you know. I just wanted, to, I just wanted him to kick me yeah, back. Yeah, I'm booked. Know. I'm booked, therefore I am. Do you know what I mean? It's that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there's definitely that. Yeah, Alex McCarthy got so bored that he made an amazing double save. It was kind of a triple save, really, from Greenwood and Fernandez. I think. Yes. I was just like, that is a guy who has been bored this half. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with twenty five thousand miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, man, let's move on to Arsenal Wolves. Uh, first of all, 
it's just been announced that Raul Jimenez has fractured his skull and undergone surgery. Oh my goodness. The clash with David Luiz in very, very early on in the first half that caused a 10 minute stoppage. We'll touch on that in a little bit, but let's talk about the game first because, well, actually, if I'm being brutally honest, there isn't really much to talk about, I don't think. I think the main point that I want to touch on is that it was Wolves' first win at Arsenal since 1979. Goodness, goodness, goodness. It's Arsenal's worst start to the season since, I think, 81-82. And I tweeted about this saying that I swear this happens every year. Yeah. Or it's happened every year for like the last four or five years where at this point of the season, we, it annou- it's announced that it's Arsenal's worst start of the season since so-and-so. And yeah. it just keeps moving further and further back. And initially it was like 1987 or something. And then it's now moved back like way before I was born. I know a lot of Arsenal fans would just probably come at me about this. I've said this before, like I'm quite zen about Arsenal at the moment. Mm, yeah. If everything was normal, I'd probably be really pissed off about it. Just from an Arsenal perspective quickly, because we, we've touched yeah, on course, this a number yeah, of times. And there will be numerous opportunities to talk about this more in depth throughout the season. But I'm, not, I'm still not at the point where it's like Arteta's got to go. If I'm being brutally honest, I don't really know what the... I don't really know what the problem is in terms of what the core problem is. I don't really know how to fix it. And I don't really know if Arteta is the, the guy or not. I don't, I, I, I don't think he's not the guy at the mm. moment. I think that the confusing thing for Arsenal is the drop-off. Because like I mentioned when we were kind of picking up Mourinho last week, even though Spurs won that North London derby at the time, you'd be like, the future's probably brighter at Arsenal. Mm. And how quickly that's changed. So Confidence weird. is completely so gone. Weird. Despite winning two trophies, um, if you include the community shield in that. The squad, I think, is far more improved than it was last season in key positions. There's still a devastating lack of creativity and there's just a, there's just a massive confidence drop-off. So I don't really know how to fix it. Maybe we'll talk about it another time when the opportunity comes up because this isn't an issue that's going away. No. But the thing is, Arsenal didn't deserve to win this game at all. Wolves thoroughly deserved it. And it was kind of a Wolves side that we haven't really seen a lot of this season, I think, Mm. in terms of they looked a lot more free. They did it without Raul Jimenez, who went off after that clash with David Luiz. Now, this deserves more than five minutes. And unfortunately, we don't have time to do more than a little bit of that today. But I just think that there are certain things that football is just way behind on. And this is another one of them. Yeah. For example, in a clash like that, that could be heard like that, and one guy doesn't move afterwards. I mean, there was one point 10 minutes after play continued where the commentator referred to David Luiz's bandage looking like the Arsenal away shirt because he had this huge wound that was just bleeding heavily out of. He just shouldn't have been on the pitch. Neither of the, obviously, Raul went straight to hospital, Raul Jimenez. But how David Luiz stayed on that pitch, I don't, I don't know. And I know that he might have passed the concussion protocols and I know that there are a number of people who might be saying, you know, footballers need to decide. They know what's, what's right for them and stuff like that. No, they don't. Bizarre. No, bizarre. they bizarre. don't. They it's don't bizarre. at all. Like there needs to be a thing there where you should be given an extra substitution for something like a concussion. The referee agrees it. That's a great shout. And, and know, I, just, yeah. I just don't see, and, and I know, do you know what this is? When stuff like this happens and it's the same with the five subs thing that maybe we'll move on to we'll segue onto this because I think it's part of the same thing about people's first reaction to it is how it will be abused. Mm. So it reminds me of, it's like the benefits stuff in the UK. It's just like people straight away, mm. when you talk about benefits and stuff like that, the, a lot of people's first reaction is like how the system will be abused. Mm. And it's like that with concussion substitutions and with the five substitutions. 
I think. Not so much because I think people have led that to, you know, they're kind of focusing on the benefit and the bigger sides thing. But with the concussion substitutions, when the argument was made the first time around, I saw loads of people talking about it as if like, oh yeah, but what if, what if they fake a concussion injury? It's like, you can't fake a concussion injury. You just can't do it. Well, there's a certain thing. There's something else about the sort of, I mean, Gary Lineker was talking about this on Twitter, about heading the ball in training and about how those heavy balls got quite bad after a while and how you'd kind of, mm. you wouldn't head the ball too much if you had to in training. Yeah. And there's this kind of residual thing. It's not actually, it's not residual, it's quite strong about what it means to be a kind of a footballer and a brave footballer. And part of it is being hard and playing through this stuff. And I think you can draw a direct line between that the attitude towards David Luiz's concussion, something that, you know, shout out to Grace on football again, something she flagged up on Twitter. Loris Carius after Champions League final. Shouldn't have been on the pitch. He was concussed. Yeah, but like, I mean, he shouldn't have been on the pitch. Yeah, he shouldn't have been on the pitch for those no. mistakes against, because they always look strange and they looked uncharacteristic. And mm-hmm. Loris Carius' career never has, will never and has never recovered from that. Mm-hmm. It was something completely outside of his control, really. Yeah, and like, he's uh, just been taken off. The full, I, I knew there were stories about concussion, it was, but I didn't see the full thing. I, was, I read up on it this morning. And Beckenbauer called up Jurgen Klopp and said, yeah, he was concussed. He shouldn't have been there. So I rewatched the um, Ramos thing because we watched it together, I think, at the time. Mm. And I rewatched the Ramos it was forearm, forearm smash on yeah. Carius's head. And he was nowhere near the ball. And I thought to myself, Liverpool got absolutely screwed there. Yeah. And the problem is this attitude towards concussion generally, it has to change because other sports... You know, you say other sports, they clock this stuff right away. I mean, you know, rugby have had stuff yeah, like yeah. roll on roll off subs in terms of like blood injury subs and stuff like that for years. For yeah, years. Absolutely. I don't get it. Like, I don't get why, for example, it's now that FIFA and IFAB and people like that are starting to roll out trials of concussion substitutions and stuff like that. This stuff should have been trialed years ago. It's unbelievable, right? It really is. Because there are some like, you know, a bit of a bump of heads. Yeah. Sure, it's different. It's all, it's, all, it's all relative, isn't it? But I think with that, it was so clearly something extra. Mm. I felt really uncomfortable with him staying on the pitch anyway. And when he went off at half time, yeah, it was inevitable, I think. Absolutely right. I don't yeah. want to start like a row about this because it's not like I'm, I'm calling anyone out here because I don't know who to call out if, if, if I'm being brutally honest because the clubs have been given guidelines, I imagine. And, and it's hard to argue with, we're given these protocols he passed everyone. He's good to go. Maybe the protocols are wrong then. Maybe they're wrong then. You know I mean, it's more, it's, more, it's more something that needs to be brought in uh, above. Yeah. I'd love to find out more about that yeah. and, and kind of um, see where FIFA go next on that because it's something that they really need to fix up on. But like we mentioned about the subs, let's move it on to Liverpool, Brighton. There's yep. one all draw, tiny, 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 tiny VAR offside. Yes. And the VAR penalty. Oh, Do you want to get into what the penalty was? Oh, no, I can't. You know, it's, can I just say this? Can I say this? Can I say this? can't change it. I think the penalty was really, really brutal and harsh on Liverpool. It was harsh. It was really harsh. Brighton a bit like Leeds as well. Brighton getting a point where perhaps weren't due a point, but were due a point somewhere. Can I say what I genuinely think about the penalty? Hmm. I think it was really harsh on Liverpool, but I think it's a foul. I can see that. I see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see that. I see that. I think it's a hard foul to spot. Just there before. Just before. Yeah. Yeah. But if it's anywhere else on the pitch and it's not given or it's given, you're kind of like, Meh. yeah, I feel the same. Like it was, a, you know, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a foul, very marginal foul, but it's the kind of foul that's just yeah. not given in a previous. But even Welbeck said, yeah, it was soft. Obviously then the, the five sub thing happens afterwards. Clock goes off. Yeah. All right. So I think he's, I think he's right in this situation, but I think the way that he was trying to frame his point was a little bit wrong. 
it's a good thing for him that their record on Saturday lunchtimes after midweek games is quite good because it's not an excuse for losing. Right. I think they're actually unbeaten in those games, but it's more the scheduling side of it. The Chris Wilder Klopp beef is starting to grow after they keep calling each other out. It's quite, it's like keep sending for each other, man. I can't wait for the war dubs. Wilder didn't send this time, did he? He didn't send back this time. He had a chance, but I think he's got other things to worry about. But we said it before, we're kind of in favour of five subs, aren't we? So. Yeah, yeah, very much. Actually, while, while we're on that, very quickly, we mentioned Sheffield United. Um, yeah. Shout out to West Brom, picked up their first win. First win of the season. Um, oh, we had a goodness. question from, yeah. I kind of missed all of the questions out so far. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. I did have them <laughs> lined up as well. <laughs> um, but Leo Watkins uh, said, how good has Sam Johnston been this season? Really good. Yeah. Kept him in it as well in this game. Made a couple Super of really, really, really yeah. good saves. Yeah, really stand up. Can I say as well, because one thing he saved as well was the anxiety in West Brom's finishing. You know, you can just mm. see the body language of forwards who don't have that many chances. You know, because it's a tough, it's been a tough season for West Brom. Everyone knew it would be. Um, and just that anxiety, the moment, the, the final miss of the game, you know, they won one nil in the end, of course, but mm. the four players clustered around the ball when the chance was missed and you just saw that you saw the tension. Yeah. You saw the tension. So yeah, hopefully they can kind of get some good. I mean, that's a, that's a big win for West Brom because they're now out of the relegation zone. Yeah. With the sides below them, not looking great. I mean, Burnley, Fulham, Sheffield United, as we mentioned, Sheffield United only one point this season. Mm. Fulham, mm, I'm struggling. We actually had a question about Fulham from Sedentary Gary. Oh, oh honorary, uh, honorary, ex- president. honorary stadio president after the uh, Arsene uh, Wenger roll net cardigan question. Do you think Scott Parker's title will finish the season high enough to qualify for European football this season? <laughs> 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 and while we're on that, I just want to shout out the people who sent in questions. I, I did bookmark some stuff from um, Andrew Blair, Max Wolf-Levy, Grace Fisher and Mary Lewis, they sent in some questions that I meant to read out about Arsenal and the concussion stuff. Yeah, Mari said, given that no party is budging, what can be done about minimising player injury this season? Like we said, they've just got to bring the five subs in. Yeah. But the thing is, they've done it now and this thing that just annoys me, you introduce it now, the season's not fair because a load of fixtures have already taken place without that. Right, right, yeah, of course. And this is the thing, they should have just done it at the beginning of the season and I yep, understand yep. why, but it's like, Every other league is doing it, basically. Yeah. So, um, anyway, Man City beat Burnley 5-0. Anything you want to say about this game? Is it just Man City were brilliant and they do what they always do to Burnley, which is beat them by more than four goals at home? <laughs> One thing I will add, Riyad Mahrez just... Yeah, hatchet for Riyad Mahrez, man. Also, like, strangely, like a quietly brilliant time at Man City, but unheralded. But also there's something slightly sad about it. It mm. sounds really harsh to say this, but there's something slightly sad about Riyad Mahrez could be dominating anywhere and the undisputed starter anywhere. And I know that he's like found like starting prominence at City, but I just kind of feel like, maybe I shouldn't say this. No, it's how I feel about Mahrez. Like, I feel like he's just not fully heralded now. Mm. He's a pretty amazing He's an unbelievable player. There's such, a, player. There's such <laughs> a certainty when he gets possession in certain areas there's a certainty I mean his finishing stats must be off the scale mm. you know um, but yeah he was brilliant so yeah 5 nil. first hat trick since he was at Leicester second Premier League hat trick I think even Sean Dyche after the game was just kind of like yeah this is kind of what they do against us that's right fair enough oh and Newcastle being Palace on Friday good result for Newcastle very good yeah Palace two very good like goals yeah uh, is it just me or is everything a little bit stressful Football-wise? Um, 
I, it was a straight, it was weird. I think this week of fixtures were kind of, they were, t- you know, they were like, they were like the middle film in a trilogy. You know, when nothing's resolved, but everything's tense. Yes. Yes. That's exactly it. That's, yeah. what this, that's what this, that's what this week of football was. There's no resolution. It was all like, it's all, it's a bit tantric to be honest. It's tantric. Who was like, oh my God, I was going to talk about someone being tantric this weekend. Who was it? Shit. I literally thought after talking about kinky league of football last week, I can't talk about tan. I can't drop a tantric reference the week after. Well, it is Berlin. I mean, it kind of seeps with the pause, doesn't it? <laughs> City like this. Right. And Kit Kat hood. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've never been there. And now I'm sure. <laughs> what is, what is, what is Kit? Oh, behave. Fucking season ticket holder. <laughs> 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 Onwards. <laughs> okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. From Fabian Goa, we want to talk about this. What are your memories of Papa Booba Diop and the great Senegal team of 2002? Yeah, this follows the news that Papa Booba Diop sadly passed away over the weekend. Yeah. Only 42 years old, passed away after a, a long illness, I believe. Goodness. The amazing thing about him was he was really courted by a lot of big teams straight after the World Cup. Mm. And that Senegal team, obviously the direct ancestors, the one we see now, and it kind of kicked them off in terms of the public. A lot of people, when they, when they first broke through at that World Cup in 02, I think there was a feeling of, oh, like a kind of like flash in the pan, but actually it was the culmination of a long project, Mm. brilliant coaching um, at youth level. And that team that emerged now, you look at Senegal now, they're a legit force in world football. And so that, that I remember them really fondly. And the thing about Papi Bibbiot was that he had, he had the full range of midfield talents. Mm. Like he had all the technique but he had the strength. Like he could mix it up. He could play any kind of style. They could beat you any style. Think about that team as well. Salif Diaw as well. That midfield was ridiculous. I mean, being their first World Cup as well in 2002, the thing that I find really interesting when you, when you see nations make World Cups and they haven't been there before or they haven't been there for a long time and actually, you know most of the players. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, you do. And I think that Senegal side was, it was kind of everyone's second team really in that tournament. Yeah, that's right, actually. And we kind of needed that because you know, one half of the draw wasn't that thrilling. No. You had like, you know, Brazil's half was vastly harder than Germany's. Mm-hmm. You, the, the best World Cups are when you've got like, you've got the established front runners, but then you've got a couple of others that you really, really root for. And Senegal absolutely with that. And it was the football they were playing as well. Their breakaway football was just stunning. And it was like a sort of Algeria came through later in like um, 2018 where, mm. I mean, to be honest, 2018 had all of them. 2018, they all came, they all came fully strapped, to be honest. 
But I think Senegal of the modern era in the World Cup were the most exciting because you had that thing of like world of, of teams that were underdogs that mm. went at you. They weren't just going for the early goal and then sitting on it. They would come at you the entire match. And South Korea was similar. I knew the host side, but it was a similar thing. And you're seeing now with like World Cup teams now, you could, you could argue that Senegal were the first disrespectful World Cup team in the modern era. As in, they didn't care if they were playing Brazil. They're like, we're coming at you. We don't care that we're like way below in the rankings. We're going to come at you. We're going to beat you playing football on the front foot. And it was interesting because Senegal's ascent coincided perfectly with France's decline. Well, so- I think this is really interesting that you say that because out of the entire squad that went to that 2002 World Cup, only two played outside of France. So interesting. I mean, as an individual, he was obviously, he proved it in the Premier League and I think he yeah. was a really, really, really good player for, for a number of clubs. But I think being part of that Senegal squad at that time, I think, I don't know, just fond memories of that squad. And what an incredible sort of footballing ancestor that he is now. Yeah. You look at what the Senegal players now have and their prominence. They owe, those, they owe that generation a debt. And what I love about them is they really seem to celebrate that. They're really yeah. proud of their, of their football heritage. Yeah. Thoughts with his family and friends, obviously. Yeah, Sad news. Yep, yep. Should we move on to a couple of key games? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's go to the Bundesliga quick, right? So the, probably the biggest upset of the weekend was yeah. Dortmund losing at home to Cologne. Cologne's first win of the season, first win in 18. Or no, it ends an 18-game winless streak. Cologne haven't scored from a corner this season. They scored twice from corners against Dortmund. And it would be better if the marking of the corners was excellent and the headers were just superb or the drills were great, but it was marking just was dreadful. awful, awful. And it's... You know, throughout this game, decision-making and finishing cost Dortmund. They missed three really good chances and they marked really badly at two corners. Yeah, and they had, Sancho hit the bar at nil-nil. Yeah, good, good move that, lovely It was move. a really good move and I don't think that was a cha- class as a chance miss. No, maybe, I think, it was, I think- it, was a good, it was a good like, it was a good sign of early intent. Mm. There's a worrying thing with Dortmund already though, I think, and that's, well, first of all, I mean, we need to big up because that was a massive, massive win for them. Um, especially on a weekend where Schalke continued to lose. Goodness. Yeah, so it, it dragged Cologne out the bottom three. Holland had that one chance of stoppage time at the end of the game, which for him was a dreadful miss. He had a bad miss in the first half too, though, as well, that he dragged wide. I didn't get on time. In a way, it's really hard to criticise because his form or his goal-scoring record is just kind of stupendous. Mm. You know, he won the Golden Boy last week and Dortmund brought on a guy who's just turned 18 and a guy who's just turned 16 to kind of salvage the game. And that's the difference at the moment. And I was actually chatting to Stefan Ersfeld a little bit about this. And he said something which alluded to actually already when he's not starting, this Dortmund side missed Jude Bellingham. Already. So interesting. And there's a problem there because when you have an over-reliance on a core group, we said, I said this before, didn't I? When you have an over-reliance on a core group, none of them are 21 yet. Probably bar Marco Royce and when he wants to, Mats Hummels. Yeah. But they're Haaland, Sancho, Reyna, Bellingham. That's wild, actually. And that's replaced Brandt. Brandt You could say Axel Witzel. A yeah. push because I think Axel Witzel quietly goes under the radar and obviously that's another experienced head so actually three experienced heads there yeah but Marco Royce isn't the player of old as we've mentioned um, Mats Hummel sometimes you want him to be a little bit more of a leader definitely actually the, the people yeah. the people who 
they really rely on to get them out of trouble often are like basically babies. You that know? marking doesn't happen at a Tony. If Tony Adams is running that back line, that marking does not happen at that corner. Not twice. Everyone can make one mistake from a corner, but the second time there's marking, you know that someone's going to come after you. It's easy to like sort of obviously go after Dortmund and be like, oh my goodness. Like, but at the same time, these are just points you can't afford to be dropping. No, you can't. No. I will say is this. What I will say is this. There are certain games where everyone's radar is off. Even Makoko, Makoko, I know he's only 16. Makoko did all the hard work and ended up had a part, had a part in the goal actually for Dortmund, which was mm. a really nice move. But Makoko actually missed a really good chance um, after doing through. all the hard work. Yeah, when he broke through, yeah, he, you know, he dragged it wide. But, you know, you get it. I get Royce it. Royce wanted it square, actually. Yeah, all I would say with that is the championship winning teams, it's the old cliche, they find a way to get something in those games. Mm. They find a way to get something. It's like, well, like Bayern. Bayern got something. You know, they were 1-0 down to Stuttgart. Yeah. And ended up winning 3-1. They kind of cruised it in the end. And Stuttgart had a goal disallowed at 2-0 for a foul on Neuer. Well, he pulled his arm back. I think, I think, you know, actually, when I saw it the first time, I thought, no, but then actually... Second time. Yeah, he did interfere and it was like... Mm. The thing is, he, the funny thing was, Neuer would have messed up if he hadn't pulled his arm. Yeah. Neuer was messing up. Neuer was messing around anyway. Yeah. That was some pretty comical... Neuer was messing around anyway. <laughs> there was some pretty comical playing out from the back generally in this... This Bundesliga actually. This weekend, yeah, there yeah. was some some fun stuff. Gladbach beat Schalke 4-1. Yes, yes. After a... Marvellous Marcus Turan. Benny Raman equalised though. Beautiful. Got one of the goals of the weekend, That It's not often you see a player through on goal volleying first time. You know when, 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 when a player has enough time to bring the ball down? Yeah, true. Just like actually, it. To be honest, actually, Mark Hughes did that a lot. Why Mark take two Hughes touches when you can take one? Yeah, it's so great finish. Florian Neuhaus opened the scoring with a shot that somehow managed to, I think there were six Schalke players between him and goal. And it, do you know what it was like? It was like, um, it reminded me of, you know when you get a block filled in Tetris? Yes. And it just, they all collapse. It looked like Neuhaus had like lined up a, like six rows filled and they just went. Phew. I think it deflected off maybe, definitely off one, maybe two Schalke players into the goal, but it was just quite fun. I think like, the pinball. Yeah, I think he said after the game as well, he just said, like, I just kind of hit it and it somehow went in, which is cool. I like Neuhaus. He's a cool guy. Actually. Neuhaus is really great. Uh, Oscar Vent scored a lovely goal as well. Yeah. And Marcus ended his kind of mini league drought. Mm. Second goal this season. The thing is, he gives, he, so much, the second he gives game. you so much else. That's the thing. Yeah, I know. And he's been playing, he's been playing well. Yeah. Um, Hannes Wolf scored again, scored the fourth. And, uh, Nice, nice win for Gladbach. Looking good at the moment. Stanley seventh, one point below Union, who <laughs> played in probably the Bundesliga game of the weekend at home against Eintracht. Max Cruz is having a lovely time. Got a penalty to send uh, Union 2 0 up. Andre Silva got two back before half time. Kamada looked brilliant in this game. I love Kamada for Eintracht. His assist for the third goal, if you haven't seen this, go and watch it. It was unbelievable. It was just like he did this kind of reverse step over. Right. And then just kind of hooked it around the back of the defence. Oh, it was just amazing. It just looked really weird. It looked like something you just don't... Yeah. Yeah, it was super good. Um, But Silva, Dost and Kamada are starting to click a little bit together, I think. And you've got signs. They've got... First time I've seen signs at Eintracht of them reaching the attacking kind of fluidity of that that trio that they had a couple of years ago in Rebic, Jovic and Haller. But then Max Cruz saved the day with a with a, an angry goal. Was it an angry goal actually? It was an angry uh, goal, right? I, was it angry? He was his celebration was wasn't cheerful. No, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. I, it was 
it was a glorious, glorious strike. He rips, he rips that on top of the box. It's, a, it's one of the goals of the weekend, actually. It's probably my favourite goal of the weekend, alongside the Schalke one. Max Cruz is having a lovely time at Union. Yep, yep. Neil Six Corey. goals in nine games, five assists in the Bundesliga this season. Bayern the top, Leipzig second, Leverkusen third, who had a, had a nil-nil draw on the weekend. Dortmund down to fourth now. And uh, Wolfsburg fifth after their 5-3 win over Werder Bremen on the weekend. Uh, highest goal scoring, high, highest scoring game at halftime in the Bundesliga this year, I think. And from Wolfsburg to get five in a game, that's unusual. They're still doing that thing where they're unbeaten, but drawn five. So strange. Such a funny football club. All right, let's move on to Spain quick. Yep, yep. Lovely, lovely performance by Barca. Lovely goal by Messi for the Maradona goal. Exactly the same as the goal that Maradona scored for Newell's. Which and was weird. There's so really, much weird so symmetry weird. going on. Yeah, that is a, that's a, such a strange... Like with the hymn about him doing kick-ups on the pitch at halftime during Maradona's Newell's debut and it was messy and he was six and it was just like... Oh. Very weird. Actually, shout out to the Garden Football Weekly did a great segment on yeah, that. Yeah, Jonathan Wilson's bit on that is really good. Yeah. Um, so Griezmann looking really happy. Playing with a nine. Although, can I point... Right. <laughs> Antoine, we all want you to do well, right? That celebration has to stop. When you score an absolute whammo, a whammo volley, I'm calling that. Yeah. Why ruin it with the celebration? You don't score these every week. Your form has not been great. A little bit of kind of like, do you know what? I'm just going to... Well, no, but celebrate it, but, gonna... like, but don't do that dance. Like, I think he's, you know what it is? I think the mask is eating the face. I think he feels like he has to do that thing now. But it doesn't fit with where he is now in his career. It doesn't fit. Like it doesn't... No, move on. Yeah. It's like just... why we don't say stay hydrated anymore. It's done. Ha 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 ha. Wow, he's come out and said it. He's come yeah. out and said it. <laughs> yeah, great win for Barca. Necessary win for Barca. Yeah, because Real Madrid slipped up. <gasps> it's funny because their strength last year, we said many times, was the defence. 25 conceded on the way to the league. And now it's their greatest weakness. It's the greatest weakness. Shout out to Alaves because a great win. They were 2-0 up actually. Then Casemiro got a late one back. Horrifying mistake by Courtois, unfortunately, mm. for... Chosselu coming in for the second. But Alaves just really could have won by more, should have won by more, but you'll, you'll take three points against Real Madrid. Oh yeah. And the, the list of mistakes, the list of mistakes by Madrid, the goals they've conceded this year, so many due to errors. Penalties conceded, own goals, the whole litany of mistakes. And Zidane counted on his defence last year and he can't count on it this year. Another injury to Eden Hazard. Mm, it's just been a that. nightmarish time for him with the injuries. It's just been awful. No winning th- since the Wesker game in the league. They'll probably win the Champions League though. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. And we'll have this whole thing again be like, are Real Madrid actually that good? Even though they won four out of five Champions Leagues. Who cares? You've got trophy cabinet. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. Atleti. They're looking good, man. Because uh, Real Sociedad drew with Villarreal, which means that Atleti are now just a point behind Sociedad at the top with two looking games in solid. hand. Yeah, the attack didn't quite fire. Thomas Lamar looked really good. I mean, it's I painful. hope he clicks, man. Out of the match. Yeah, I know. It's... With his talent, he is a missing piece for them. Mm. And he can give them so much and he looked really good. Um, so yeah, great win for Atleti. Let's talk about Liga quick. Everyone drawing, man. Yeah, although Lille had a chance to take advantage of the PSG draw and lost to Dijon. It was a bit disappointing for them because they're on a nice little run. Mm. Um, but yeah, the big game, PSG-Bordeaux, the Ben Arthur derby. <laughs> so Ben Arthur coming back to PSG and he had... You don't want to annoy Ben Arthur because you have to play him again at some point and then he'll come and put in a performance like this. And he was really, really strong. Ran out of gas a little towards the end, but frankly, the effort he put in, no surprise. Mm. P- 
PSG go two up, Neymar, I think, and Moise Kane. Mbappe missed a couple of good chances in this game. Mm. They missed a couple of good chances. But shout out to Bordeaux because they kept playing football. They played some glorious stuff second half, actually, and were the better team, I think. But then again, the PSG lineup, this is the funny thing. If PSG, PSG have got that great attack, the midfield and the defence are really quite patchy. Yeah, they keep, so they keep changing the lineup. I said that, do you remember? It's like, it's like you start a new football manager save and you spend all of your transfer budget on two strikers and then... The, the player that's least good in the PSG starting 11 mm. is still good enough to be mid-table, but it's good enough to give attackers confidence to go at them. And there's not respect now. When you watch PSG games, I've watched like I think three or four games this year from PSG, like either all the way through or most of the game. And the opposition aren't afraid of them. Mm. They're not afraid at all. Yeah, their air of invincibility is gone for sure. And it opened, I think it happened in the early stages of the season, like losing their first two games, I think without yeah. whoever that was, people were just like, meh. Yeah, yeah, it's PSG. Yeah. Um, I want to go to Serie A quick because it was quite a big weekend in Serie A. Inter inflicted Sassuolo's first defeat of the season on them, winning 3-0 mm. at Sass, which I thought was a... Maybe into the best game of the season. Yeah. Lautaro was great throughout. Maybe the star player, I would have thought. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but what I would say as well, the, the big game for me actually this weekend was the, um, the Milan win over Fiorentina. Mm. It's a statement victory, I think. Um, I know Fiorentina <laughs> low down the table, but Odia's away and Zlatan's away. Mm. I really like, when Zlatan's out, don't get me wrong, he's been brilliant for them, but I like that Milan can show their versatility. Because what they do is they put Rabich up top and then stretch the play. Mm. Um, and I really like that. I love the fact they've got two options there because it gives defenders a different problem to solve. So they can play with multiple guys this Milan, which is what I love about them this year. I think just, they've been great this year. Five points clear after nine games. Um, one other thing to mention, so great penalty by Frank Kessier, but this is the thing. He gets his second one saved and it's something we've noticed before. We've talked on the podcast before and I think I might've written about it. This season, I've seen more than ever attacking players or people, penalty takers, having to work out the strategy on the fly mm. because goalkeepers are so well briefed now in terms of what you like doing. So this time, Kessier goes down the middle, sends the keeper the wrong way, second penalty, hits it to the right, hits it the other way, and the keeper saves it. And the duel of the penalty, I've never seen a penalty as contested <laughs> As, as they are this year. They're so contested, which is weird because there's penalty, kind of fucking loads of them as well. That's why. Yeah, but a penalty shouldn't, this is the weird thing, like it's almost paying to foul players in goal scoring position because the penalty really gives your keeper a chance now where it wasn't supposed to. Pele would talk about this. Pele was, I remember one of Pele's great rants about when penalties were given, he was like, I'm through, I'm round the keeper, I'm about to score. And all of a sudden you pull me back and you make me... <laughs> you then penalised me to score from 12 yards when I, I was going to tap into an empty net. Mm. And like, and I remember this Pele ranting about this years ago. And I was like, you know what? He's got such a point and he's only more right now because now it's like, you pull everyone back, you put a wall there, you put, and it's like, Pele was right. He was, <laughs> he foretold all of this. So yeah, it pays to foul. Crime pays actually. Pays to foul. Yeah, crime pays. Um, I want to shout out Napoli. Big 4-0 win over Roma on Sunday evening. Beautiful. Or Diego wearing yeah. that special edition home kit. And Insigne running over. Oh, beautiful free kick to open the scoring. Yeah, Frank Sidekick sends the question saying, as soon as Insigne's free kick went in, I thought the ultimate catharsis goal. Yes, and the perfect person to score it. A Neapolitan to score it. 
But he then follows it up with, you're all living rent-free in my head and I'm not sure I'm okay with that. (laughs) (laughs) All podcasts aspire to live rent-free in the heads of their listeners. If we're living rent-free in our heads, please let us know. Fabian Rees got a lovely goal as well. What a lovely player. Such a perfect win for Napoli. Yeah. After, well, the week, I suppose, that they've had. It's been the best edition of their football this year as well, though. Napoli have played some gorgeous stuff this year. They've probably been the most attractive team, with the exception of Sassuolo in the Serie A. They had those defeats to Milan and Sassuolo. Good games, those. Yeah. But other than that, they've kind of, they've been playing pretty well in, in Serie A. Those are the top, what, two of the top three teams? Sassuolo and Milan? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, with Inter in second, yeah. So yeah, yeah. they were the top two until the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Gattuso's doing okay, man. Especially with Juve struggling. Like, Juve drew again. To Benevento. Benevento. Oh, wow, wow. Morata was sent off after the final whistle. He scored a beautiful the, goal. Scored. Yeah, which wasn't, which wasn't disallowed, which was nice. Maybe he was... Yeah. Uh, he said something to the ref afterwards, but mm. obviously Juve missing Cristiano Ronaldo, who picked up an injury against Lazio. Um, not sure how long he's going to be out for, but it's they're just struggling to really click to be honest and Mateo, again, maybe, made a great point on Twitter Matteo's a great follower actually generally mm. made a great point about the dependency on Ronaldo Cristiano Ronaldo is really it's a grim grim problem for them yeah definitely um, alright before we go let's hit a couple of questions sure sure Jack Hallinan said did Mourinho out Mourinho himself or will he be satisfied with that draw he'll be he's satisfied with that draw he's we delighted. said that before he's delighted yeah. I'm surprised he hasn't Instagrammed it oh well actually on that note Adam on Twitter says, how much of Spurs' current success is down to Jose Mourinho? <laughs> it's down to Jose Mourinho's Instagram. I mean, I would say a strong 70%. All of it. All of all it. Of, all yeah. of it. <laughs> Absolutely all of it. Shouts to Steve, Condition Brooklyn, who says, US Women's National Team yeah. versus Netherlands friendly. Crystal Dunn being so excellent and the Rose Lavelle goal. Oh, Rose wow. Lavelle goal was lovely. I actually retweeted a gift from Theo. Yeah, Shouts yeah, to Theo yeah. Lloyd Hughes, actually. Him and um, Flo... You may know Flo Loy Hughes' work. They do a football podcast together at Women's Football called Relatively Football. Go and check that. It's a really good women's football podcast. Shouts to those two. This one from Syncletica. What are the cultural factors at heart of Arsenal's persistent dysfunctionality? I'm really sorry. I have no idea whatsoever. And if anyone does know, can they send them to whatever Arsenal's address is? Avenal Road, Library <laughs> House. Um, I might have to just, I might take a, I might go on a, Arsenal there was a media, book I read about media lockdown. How, I read a book about how in Brazil in the early 1900s they bury a frog under a dead frog under the pitch, and I just wonder at this point if someone's like can anyone if anyone that's going near the um, the Arsenal area look carefully just like don't you know don't endanger yourselves but just sort of just peer towards the track and see if you can see like maybe some sort of left of dead frogs secreted sort of you know Dude, because like, I, wonder, I, I, I do, honestly reckon 90 percent of the questions were just like. What slide days about Arsenal? <laughs> voodoo, just voodoo. Honestly, there was one here from um, Mantra Dave. How many goals is Son going to put for past Arsenal next week? There's a North oh, London derby goodness. coming up, man. I might. Wow. I honestly, oh, wow. honestly, I, I, I take a sabbatical. I said to the ringer guys, I was just like, "Can I take some emergency leave because I don't want to have to do this anymore?" From being honest, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's get out of here. Uh, we hope everyone's staying safe and well. We'll be back on Thursday with Champions League stuff. Yes, yes. So maybe shall we do that as a Champions League mailbag and actually answer people's questions properly because we did yes. it today. Okay, proper Champions League mailbag on Thursday. Looking forward to it. 
sorry we didn't get to all the questions today. We kind of hoped we answered some of them when we were talking about our nonsense. Don't forget to check the ringer.com forward slash soccer for Musok Wonga's piece. Follow us on Twitter at Stadio and Instagram at Stadio Football. All the slander to Ao Kwonga. <laughs> Bring it all on. The props, all the come props at, to Ryan Hood. Listen, come at me. Come at me. I'm ready for it. I've got yeah, time. Yeah, do it. Please do. I've got time this week. Listen, I want all the smoke. This week, you know what? I want all the smoke this Good. week. I've got no time this week. So direct uh, all uh, of your smoke uh, to Musa. Uh, uh, We're playing out on a brand new one, like we mentioned at the top of the show. Another JTC tune. I think this is the second JTC tune we played out on. But the fourth of Tad so far. So I think. <laughs> fourth? Is it fourth? Third alias or fourth? Third or fourth yeah, we've already played out on one of these aliases before. But uh, yeah, a new one called Baps. Uh, it's out now. We'll post the link. Uh, you can go to bopside.bandcamp.com. You can buy it straight from there, along with all of Tad's stuff. Or we'll post, don't forget, we'll go in our Spotify outros playlist. Um, I reckon that's it, Musa. Yeah, that's all it. All done. All done. Uh, shouts to everyone. Lots of love. Back on Thursday. See you then. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8am. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease. 
and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.